It's Mark Reardon for C-Speak, the language of executives, sponsored by PNC Bank, along with Michael Scully, regional president of PNC Bank. Today, Mark Braun, president of Cambridge Engineering, joins us. Mark Braun, president of Cambridge Engineering, how are you? I'm doing well, Mark. So let's find out a little bit about the company, Cambridge Engineering. What is it all about? Yeah, Cambridge is a 57-year-old manufacturer of heating and ventilation equipment, air solutions for the industrial spaces, warehouse, distribution, manufacturing. We help leaders in those spaces create comfortable working environments for their people. So it is a family business. What attracted you to Cambridge? Yeah, interesting story. So it's 11 years that I, ago that I joined, and it was actually John Kramer, who's the second-generation owner. He was president at the time, and my wife and I were friends with he and his wife, and I always appreciated how he led his family. I watched that. Um, he's just a very unique leader. He's humble. Um, he's um, got a heart for adventure. Um, he sat me down and asked me, he, he said, my wife told me that I'm supposed to hire you. And uh, his wife is a strong woman, Sarah, and she, she had said that he needed to get me on the team. And he said, I don't, the problem is I don't hire friends. And so we spent some time working on the details and actually negotiated severance before I joined. And I came in 11 years ago. I've played several roles, and I've, I've really loved working for, for John and the family. Mark, I see on your bio that Cambridge Engineering talks a lot about love. I was surprised to see that focus, especially for an HVAC company. Yeah, I think the word love is a is not normally used as a core value for a company. Um, but what John wanted to do when he sat down with me 11 years ago, he said he wanted to build a growth-based company that held on to the family values. And one of the things you have to do if you're going to try to hold on to or, or grow in something is write those things down. So we actually state that one of our core values is unconditional love. And um, that is intense to be able to lead in a way that unconditional love is is brought into all the relationships, uh, whether it's someone that works for us or someone that uh, that comes as a client. Or how do we build that into the culture and fabric of the company? Is there an example of that without getting too personal <laughs> and you know revealing a, a private story? But do you have an example you can offer? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the the number of times where somebody has come with a performance issue and a challenge where they've said. You know, this person is not performing well, but they've they've said it like this person's not a, not good, and where we we can stop and say, how can we have that conversation in a loving way? What does it look like to manage performance uh, with unconditional love for the person, accepting them for who they are? You still have to make the changes. You still might have to be um, changing the role or actually exiting from the organization, but how do you do it in a loving way? And literally, a hundred of those conversations in the last year. I mean, they're, they're often, because whenever you write down a core value and you believe in it, you say, how do we do this? How do we live this out in the fabric of the culture? It's a beautiful principle to be able to have not only in our parenting, but in our leadership. So having heard that, I'm pretty convinced that my boss has unconditional love for me because if he didn't, I would have been fired several <laughs> times over. But it is, it's a great philosophy. So Mark, you align organizational health with sustainable growth. Explain that. Yeah, I think the, the word organizational health, whether you call it culture or organizational health, um, that word actually came into the organization about seven years ago uh, with uh, the work with Patrick Lencioni 
in his book called The Advantage. John's an avid reader, a uh, continuous learner. He, um, he loves traveling the world and figuring out um, who can speak into his leadership. And Patrick was one of them that has done that. And so when we read that, we had actually, John had sent about 15 to 20 of our, our leaders out to listen to Patrick speak and to uh, read that book, The Advantage. And in it, he says that organizational health trumps everything. And he articulates how to build that. Um, and you've got to have an aligned leadership team, which we have been building and continue to build on. And then you have to be able to answer the questions about clarity. What is it that you're going to do? Why do you exist as a company? Um, what are your behaviors and how do those look? Uh, how are you going to succeed out in the marketplace? Uh, what's most important right now? And then, uh, then you have to be able to answer who does what in the roles. And so we've been working towards that organizational health for the last seven plus years and, and refining that and building on that and making sure that everything is consistent and clear there. Mark, every company has their, their own core values. Could you touch on some of Cambridge's core values? Yeah, I mentioned one of the unique ones, uh, which is unconditional love, uh, are are six of them, we demonstrate unconditional love for each other while setting high expectations and then demonstrating the core values of care, courage, integrity, and respect. I think one of them, you, I mentioned the unconditional love one. I, I, partic- I, I specifically believe that if we don't feel loved ourselves, we don't have the ability to grow into everything that we were created to be. And so we want to be able to demonstrate that unconditional love for others so that they can do that. The second one I'll, I'll just name is courage because I see it out. Uh, the 162 families that I serve out there, the 162 employees, I see courageous leadership out of all of them from the frontline folks who joined us this week um, to the people that have been there for 40 years. It takes courage to grow. And when you want to build a growth-based company, Um, you know, John starts that process by courageously inviting people in. And then we have, uh, that courage needs to be in everything that we do to be able to, to help people become, uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable, comfortable with getting outside their comfort zone and growing. I think you touched on this a little, but Mark, how do culture and skill combine to deliver results for your customers? Yeah, I think it's always what one of the things I didn't mention on why I joined Cambridge was the brand of Cambridge is known across the industry as one of the top quality brands. Uh, we've we're known when I went out to to survey the clients um, in the market eleven years ago, they said we were responsive, reliable, and easy to do business with. Those were the three things that they said we go to Cambridge because of your uniqueness. I mean, I think the skill and competency, you know, um, it's, it's always got to be built. We actually find that it's better to hire for attitude and cultural fit and train for skills. So as an example, tomorrow Rankin uh, Technical Institute is there for a full day training on technical uh, electronics and getting everybody up to speed technically. But it's honestly, as an engineering major, I thought that technical was harder than the, than the people skills, but it's the other way around. You can teach a lot of people, the technical skills, uh, but you can't teach those core values. And so you bring in the core values for organizational health, and then you teach and train on the technical side. And those two deliver results for our clients and and help to continue that responsive, reliable, and easy to do business with uh, that they feel in the market. Our listeners might be surprised to learn that Cambridge offers tours of their facilities. Uh, Why do you offer them and who typically would take them? 
Yeah, so this is uh, fairly unique. So a small manufacturer, 160 people, and uh, over the last three years, we've had a little over 3,000 people come and tour the facility from all around the world. I, I, it blows my mind that they're coming to see uh, the organizational health. They're coming to see the culture. And um, we, all, we open that up and pay that forward because it was given to us as a free gift. John, I mentioned, he's a continuous learner, and he would travel around the world and around the United States and see other manufacturing facilities and uh, see best practices. He started to bring other people with him. I got to go on those with him. I've been to over 100 plants myself. And and the manufacturing community is just a really generous community. And so it opens up its doors to show and demonstrate how it's done so that other people can learn. And uh, we learned that way, and we want to pay that forward and, and expose others. And so those 3,000 people are coming um, to, to experience that generosity. It's the generosity from the family. It's the generosity from the manufacturing community. And it's how you learn how to do manufacturing well. What do they see if they, if they take a tour and they're being exposed to the culture? Again, maybe offer an example of what they might see when they do that. Yeah, so, so they see our daily habits. Um, and so one of those daily habits that's been critical to building the organizational health over the last several years is, is a morning meeting. We have a 15-minute all-company meeting. Uh, a different person leads that every day. It's volunteer-led. Uh, approximately 80 to 90 people have volunteered to lead that. So one person is standing up with the mic and sharing. Um, they're sharing a little bit about themselves. Uh, and then we're going over company results. Um, we have a slide uh, that goes up. It's about the fifth slide, and it says grateful appreciation. And they, we pass around the mic and share what we're grateful for building that ha- habitual nature of, of culture and organizational health into the daily rhythms. And so what, what those tour participants or those people that would be exposed to that morning meeting, they see that it can be done. They get encouraged uh, that it can actually happen, and they can see the tangible ways that they can build it in instead of from just theory. They can see, well, I could start this meeting, and I could actually do that back at my plant. We stole that idea just like every one of our other ideas that we've had. We stole them. And we have those, and then we use them, and then we improve upon them. And so they get to do that as well. This, the shortage of millennial workers in manufacturing is a topic that challenges many of our C-Speak listeners. How are <laughs> you attracting and retaining millennials? Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll give a shout-out for our HR uh, department. Um, we hire approximately 20% of our workforce for a peak season, and it's really a challenging thing to bring people into and recruit for and um, and it's often young folks who are coming into that those positions and uh, we set a goal to have 10 times the applications for every position we had to hire 20 of them uh, last year and um, the HR group uh, actually put together an educational program called unleashed where they could come in and learn about manufacturing they could help lead from day one and then, they, then we could help them launch either internally inside of our company or externally inside the manufacturing community. We, we feel like it's a multi-pronged approach. We need a lot of people working on this, but that's our part of it, is to make it attractive to work there, to make it fun and engaging, to allow them to feel like there's a greater purpose in work, which we believe as well. And so uh, inviting them in um, and, and exposing them to that environment in a... Um, 
easy, fun way so that they can see what manufacturing is really about. And then they, the ones that uh, fall in love with it can stay and enjoy a career in manufacturing. Again, we think it's a multi-pronged approach. We work with Rankin uh, Technical Institute to uh, continue to, to grow and foster future leaders. And then I think we've got a parental issue. Uh, only 27% of parents um, would recommend manufacturing to their kids. And I think it's because they don't know how incredibly powerful it is to work in manufacturing, how fun it can be and engaging it can be. And we need to restore that into and and uh, and demonstrate that and show showcase the stories around young people who are thriving, like they are at Cambridge and other manufacturers around the region and around the world. Um, we need to we need to be, be get better at telling those stories so that people can see them. Not only the kids, but also their parents can see how um, a career in manufacturing can be a great future. And outside of all of that, one thing you didn't mention. And I've been told this by other manufacturers and people in your line of work is the money's pretty good potentially. Yeah, it's a good it's a good um, living wage, and uh, the growth there is unlimited. And so, um, what's so fun is you can come in and demonstrate um, at fourteen or fifteen dollars an hour, but you can grow into much greater than that. And the you can start at an entry level and prove yourself. We give uh, one of the unique daily habits that they see on a tour is we give thirty minutes a day for uh, it's called lean and clean time, and uh, everyone gets to stop their work and improve the job that they're doing. So they're not to do their job, they're to improve their job. We tell young people and anybody who joins us at any age, we say your job is to improve your job, not to just do it. And so during this dedicated time of 30 minutes a day, their goal is to improve the way they do their work, not just do their work. And we want them to output that into a uh, a, a demonstration of what they've improved to the whole company. They put together a small selfie video of that 30 second to a minute long, and they showcase what their creative genius was to the whole company. And I'll tell you, it's so fun to watch uh, young folks and anybody who joins to get unlocked and unleashed to be able to improve things. And then when, when we see those, you can see how people are growing and you can watch them and you can encourage them and they grow into the next level of leader. Mark, we understand Cambridge has a hashtag, glory and dignity. Mm. What does that mean, and where did that come from? Yeah, glory and dignity actually came out for the first time uh, on a trip to Tulsa. Uh, John Kramer shared that he had a vision for manufacturing to restore glory and dignity into it. And I just think about, um, you know, we've been working on this for a long time, but I love that, that, that statement. Uh, if, you, if you get a chance on social, we'd love for you to tag hashtag glory and dignity and show us how you do that in your companies. I do believe that manufacturing somehow in, in America has gotten um, decreased in, in stature. Um, somehow over the last few generations, people have said that it's below us and we should outsource it. And I think it was a complete miss. And so as we think about how beautiful it is to make things and create with our own hands, and that allows us to, um, to make an impact in the world, to add value, uh, this is, that glory and dignity is, how do we do that for manufacturing in the region? And then how do we do that through the U.S.? And how do we do that through, around the world? How do we get people to understand um, how beautiful it can be to make and to create? And that's what that hashtag glory and dignity is. And it uh, came right out of John Kramer's mouth, and we just loved it. Um, it's a unique way to say, how do, we, how do we do that? 
Mark, there's no doubt Cambridge Engineering is a successful company. Wondering, what does success look like to you in five to ten years? I think that, you know, we are um, continuing to um, to take our mission, which is to enrich the quality of every life that we touch. We want that to not only be for the folks that come in and work for us directly, but we want that to be felt in every client interaction. We want it to be felt in every um, vendor interaction, every supplier partnership. We want every interaction where people are touching the Cambridge Engineering brand and the, the, the company, we want their life to be enriched. Um, we believe that um, growth is part of our future. John uh, has a, just growth as one of his core values, and so do I, and we've been attracting folks with that same value. And, and so we will continue to grow in size. Uh, we've doubled revenue and tripled operating profit in the last five years, and we want to continue on that growth path. Um, we want to do that so that we can enrich more lives. Uh, the people that we can have larger um, impact in our in our communities uh, and in the country and in the world. Um, I think that we are continuing to uh, air solutions in the industrial space. We will continue to 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 um, solve problems for the industrial spaces that can provide more comfort for the hardworking people there. And um, I see nothing changing there. Um, but it's a it's been a good run, and and uh, we would of course love to see strong economic growth uh, continue, and um, and that's what our we're we're going to continue to grow uh, with or without that. We want to continue to grow in capability with or without that. Mark and Mike, thanks for joining us today for another C Speak interview. C Speak sponsored by PNC Bank. For our entire podcast with Mark Braun, search C Speak at KMOX.com. C-Speak, the language of executives, sponsored by PNC Bank.